As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The Phil Hay Show. Hello, the Phil Hayes Show is back, brought to you by The Athletic and The Square Ball. Of course, Phil Hayes here from The Athletic. My name's Dan Moyle and I'm here from The Square Ball with Michael Normanson. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, get in there now. Pound a month for six months. Theathletic.com forward slash leads pod. We've got a long read on there, Phil, about the proposed move. Calvin Phillips to Man City. We're going to get into that one a bit today on the show as well. Yes, if you can bear it. And we went a little bit off-piste as well, writing about when Chilino almost or didn't almost sell to Red Bull, given that um, Leeds and Red Bull seem to be somewhat intertwined at the moment. What about when David Haig put a can of Red Bull on the coffee table in his office? Was that... Real? Oh no, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and we never mentioned that in the piece. It was all about um it was all about the period when Chilino was um was owner and there was for a period of probably about twelve months there was constant chat about Red Bull. And actually a little bit more fire behind the smoke than I think people realised. It was never as far as we could tell, it was never that close to actually happening. But it wasn't a figment of people's imagination either. Um, so you might find that interesting and you might like the fact that it never came to pass. Yeah. David Haig, of course, responsible for the forty ers link up as well. Yeah. I mean, I think he went there on holiday more rather than creating anything anything official between the clubs. But there was definitely some something talked about when he was there. Yeah, do you know what? We should next time we speak to the 49ers, we should ask them how much they knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> David who? <laughs> Strategic what? <laughs> right. Um theathletic.com forward slash leads pod to read some of that and not necessarily the other stuff. <laughs> so a uh, quick update on where we've been for the last couple of weeks. Or so we had a couple of weeks off just in the wake of the of the season finishing. I think we all needed that little bit of downtime, didn't we, just to, to process all the stuff that had gone on. I think we all feel slightly better now than we did then. A breather of sorts, except you did drag me off to walk through the, the most picturesque part of the English countryside, especially yeah. day one and two. Well, that started in Wales as well. We're not just going to tar England with that brush. It was a little bit in Wales, wasn't it, the first couple of miles? We are talking about the charity walk, of course, the 92 miles for uh, from Gary Speed's first playing field in North Wales, back to Ellen Road, four days, 92 miles, £80,000 nearly raised for mental health charities now, um, Andy's Man Club and the Samaritans. So thank you if you've donated. If you want to donate, it's thesquareball.net forward slash Gary Speed. But feet all back in order now? They're pretty good, yeah. It's just the blisters on the balls of my feet are finally coming round, but not bad, not you did, bad. You did do it with your own free will as well. A lot of yeah. people on the walk are kind of going, how have you made Phil do this as if we might have just throwing you on a bus and taking you to Wales. Well, yeah, or, or under a bus, yeah. 92 miles with a cattle prod in your back. I, the thing is, I sort of committed to it rashly about six months ago in the way that people do and say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then it comes round and it comes round. And I had said to you, if leads go down, there'll probably be too much going on. 
to go and, and do it. Um, so as the final whistle went at Brentford, my feet were twitching and I'm going, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the disappointment on your <laughs> face, Phil. <laughs> Here we go. I think I said to Dan on the last day, I, in my life, I don't think I've ever simultaneously loved something and hated it with such strong emotion at the same time. It was a great event and it was a, a unique group of people and really funny in parts. Also really horrendous. And we, and, we, and we spent several days swanning around in our underwear um, in the presence of each other because we were rooming and I can't believe how easily you fall asleep. It's unreal. Oh, I, honestly, my wife tell you, you can sleep absolutely anywhere in any circumstances, even outside Chernobyl, which is quite handy because that seemed to be what half the walk involved. I mean, I was getting withdrawal symptoms on the Sunday night because you weren't sitting around on the bedroom floor with loads of strips of tape <laughs> and, and nut butter. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was fantastic. And the money that's been raised has been absolutely terrific. Made a Indeed. big difference. Yeah, thesquareball.net forward slash Gary Speed if you fancy chucking a couple of quid into the pot. That's enough about us. What about Leeds United then? Um, they've been active over the last couple of weeks. We haven't heard anything official yet or on the record from the club regarding last season, but you can tell, can't you, by the actions that they've taken early in this summer window that they are hopefully going to address the stuff that went on last season. Not dicking about with relegation. Yeah, there's been no opportunity to speak to anybody, to Radrazani or Kinnear or Orta, about the way last season went. And and obviously there, there was and is a lot to to talk about. But as you say, they have moved, moved very quickly in this window so far. And, and I think it's made the difference that they haven't gone down. I think had they gone down, there would have been a lot happening, but it wouldn't have been controlled and it wouldn't necessarily have been planned and it would all have been pretty fraught and there would have been question marks over players, there might have been question mark over Marsh, you know, there would have been big debate to be had about the direction the club were going to go and and how relegation was going to affect the infrastructure. Somebody was asking me in the a mailbag we did recently, you know, what is the difference between the Premier League and the Championship? And and I was saying if you look at the accounts from the last season of the Championship where the income was about fifty four million compared to the counts in the first season um, in the Premier League where the income was about £171 million, you've got your answer. It's just a massive, massive gulf when you do get relegated um, that you, you simply cannot fill. But because they stayed up and because it worked out at Brentford, I was in the, the press conference after the game when we got the nod from somebody that the Aronson deal was done and, and was going to go ahead. And obviously they'd gone for him in January. It hadn't happened, but the plan had always been to go back for him at the end of the season. It was... Completely unfeasible, that move, had they wound up in the Championship. But because they didn't and because they stayed in, in the Premier League, they were able to press the button on that straight away and that was tied up within a matter of days. And, and likewise, they've gone for Rasmus Christensen from RB Salzburg, same club. That one will officially go through with Aronson on July the 1st, but it's agreed and it's in place and um, and there's nothing stopping that. And, and the process now of just finalising Mark Rocker, their midfielder from Bayern Munich, so that will be three before pre-season starts. It's um, it's more active than than a lot of clubs, and and I think it it does kind of demonstrate that they did have a plan for what they were going to do when the season finished. It was just entirely predicated on them staying up. Well, about forty five million spent on those three. Then something in that ballpark, is it? The the front loading it, yeah. It's um, it's around about twenty five on Aronson. It's ten on Christensen, which I think is actually really good value for him. He looks like the sort of player who. As a Premier League club spending £10 million, you probably can't go too far wrong on it. It's not a, a substantial fee by Premier League standards. He looks like a very good right-back um, with all the, the credentials that, that you would want. And Rocker will come in at around about £10 million as well. Again, fairly low value when you look at the Premier League signings. And potentially very good value, I think. He was extremely highly thought of at Espanyol. He's had two quiet years at, at Bayern Munich. 
But it's quite easy, I think, to go to Bayern Munich and have quiet years because it's a really difficult team to, to get into. So there will be the question of how those two years have affected him and the question of how he's going to adapt to the Premier League. But I don't think there's any doubt that he is a, an extremely talented footballer. So yeah, it, it's looking like an outlay already of £45 million. And, and given you know the, the possibility that players will go, particularly Phillips, um, potentially Rafinha, th- there could be quite a bit more to come. Just thinking then about the contrast in price between Christensen and like Aaron Wambasaka, who did they pay 50 million quid for him? Yeah, there was a release clause for Christensen, as far as I could tell. You know, there was a buyout clause there, which meant that the, the fee was coming in at, at that level. I think it would be, would be fair to say that he's worth more than that, or would be mo- worth more than that on the open market. But yeah, it's, it's not difficult to find right backs or defenders who've cost an awful lot more money, who don't seem to offer a great deal more. I think part of the reason they've gone for him is because clearly Dallas is injured um, at the moment, recovering from his fractured femur and won't be available until probably the turn of the year. Ailing had surgery on a knee injury right before the end of the season. He could be looking at up to four months out, which means he won't be ready for the start of the season if, if that's the case. And you would guess or you would surmise on the basis that they've brought Christensen in that neither Drami or Shackleton, who's been used there, are seen as kind of first choice options um, here and now. But also, you know, both Ailing and Dallas are into the 30s. There does have to be some phasing out, I think, across this team now. Uh, and if last season told us one thing, or this season just gone, told us one thing, it's that the core of the squad that was so good under Bielsa and did so much under Bielsa is not going to last forever. And they, they do need to start moving on from that. It's funny, isn't it, looking at the emotional angle of moving on from the Bielsa side, because there's, there's so much sentiment attached to it. And yet it does feel like time. It feels like this is a summer of renewal of change. Well, if you start the season with Christensen at right back and Rocket in midfield alongside Aronson and potentially a new striker in the squad, if, if Phillips has gone and we're going to talk about Manchester City's interest later on, if Rafinha ends up at Barcelona or a another club and you've got Marsh in the dugout, it will feel like a completely different team. It will feel like a, a very different club on, on the playing side. And I suppose it was always going to be. I mean, it was never going to last forever and it, and it couldn't last forever. I think... We all felt, and we said this many times on the podcast, that it was just pushed too far last season. Um, the the basis of that squad, which had done so well, just wasn't able to hold up in the way that it had previously and wasn't able to perform in the way that it, it had previously. And it was blindingly obvious that come this summer, there had to be investment, there had to be change. The squad had to get bigger, there had to be more competition in it, there had to be more support for your, your key starting players. I think that will be the case by the time we get to the start of next season, but there will be some critical decisions to make and some critical moves, particularly if the the two names that we keep talking about do leave or, or even one of them, you know, replacing them will be crucial, absolutely crucial in, in getting that right um, and making sure that, that the people you bring in have the same sort of character, same sort of mentality, the same quality and essentially making sure that Leeds a better place next season. You don't have to be vastly better than they were to be higher up the Premier League and to keep yourself out of, of trouble but they are going to have to be better because they really did get away with it by the skin of their teeth. Playing devil's advocate on this, the the fear around a signing like Rocker is that it's right in the auto playbook. He's looking for somebody who has has plateaued or is not currently in form at, at their current club. And um, we've seen mixed results with that yeah. in the past. It feels like at the price that he is and with the story of his career, a little bit of a punt. Or is that just where Leeds United are shopping now? It is slightly where they're shopping. It is a little bit of a punt. It's also a fairly affordable punt at, at £10 million or thereabout. It's not a massive outlay. So 
I guess you would say that while it's a different type of signing to Rodrigo because Rodrigo is very involved at Valencia, it's not the same level of financial risk in that sense. What Otto really liked about um, Roca, from what I can gather, was his time at Espanyol, where he was extremely highly thought of and, and was developing into a top quality player, which is why he went to Bayern Munich. And the home what they've done on him and, and what they know about him from Bayern Munich has told them that Bayern don't have an issue with him, really. They, they don't see him as a player who's never fitted in. They don't see him as a player who's been a poor choice when it comes to, to signing him in the first place. They just have an extremely strong squad and an extremely strong team, which is difficult to get into. And I've seen Nagelsmann quoted a few times as saying that, firstly, he's, he was really in no rush for Rocker to go, but he understood that the Rocker wanted to play games. But also that I think he, he felt a little bit guilty that he hadn't been able to give Rocker more of a game uh, and more time on the pitch because essentially there were players ahead of him who were better or were, were more established. So there is definitely that question mark over what these two years have done to him. Um, he's probably played slightly more than people realise across the range of competitions that Bayern are in. But in terms of league matches, I mean, he's been nothing like ever-present or, or nothing close to it. So this is very much a fresh start for him. I think physically he'll have to adapt to the Premier League. From what I've seen of him and from what people say about him, I think technically he should be up to it. But clearly the proof will be in the pudding. I mean, that's the anxiety from a fan's point of view, isn't it? That we... We only ever see the YouTube highlights, which are, by definition, highlights. It's all the other stuff that's not included in the video that people worry, worry about. Of course. I mean, I, I remember the story of a goalkeeper who, wait, this is about six, seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer, who was on trial briefly with Leeds but didn't sign. Uh, he'd been very close to going to Portsmouth and had put together a YouTube compilation. Uh, and this is kind of the opposite extreme, actually, of what you were saying that Portsmouth were very keen on him and were going to take him. And then he sent them this YouTube compilation and they watched it and they thought, I don't know about this guy, I'm not not sure. And from what was said down there, they got cold feet and decided actually we'll leave this one alone and, and it never happened. But it's very easy to make YouTube cuts and YouTube compilations that make a player look like Maradona. It's not difficult. You just, you just filter out the bits that you don't want them to see. But that's not how you analyse a player when you're in a recruitment team. You know, you don't just look at the good bits. You try and look at, at all of it. And you wouldn't find anybody in Spain who would say that Roca was anything other than a really, really good player at Espanyol. It just is the fact that Espanyol was two years ago now and it didn't go at Bayern as, as Roca would have wanted it to. But I think, again, it didn't go for him in the sense that he didn't play that many games. I don't think it's been an unhappy time for him. I don't think it's been a... a I don't think it's been a hugely frustrating time either. I think he feels, from speaking to people who know him, he feels that actually he's developed pretty well there from working with other players, that he looks after himself better now and he understands things like nutrition and body management and so on better because obviously Bayern are top of the tree for, for that sort of thing. So he'll be really interesting to, to watch actually. Christensen, I expect, to come in and make a, a really big impact. Aronson, I think, in the position he's in, again, that will depend on how he adapts and, and how he's able to adjust to to a different league, which plays at a, you know, a much higher intensity and much le higher level of quality than the, the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, but Rocker is one of those where you could easily find yourself saying, mm, it didn't work that one. Or you could find yourself saying they've really landed on a player there. And, and again, if he comes good at £10 million, pounds, it, you know, there's the potential for that to be really good value. Are we seeing the change in direction this summer? It feels like these are manager-led signings because they're, they're his former players, whereas you go back to as far as Thomas Christensen and it felt like they were all Victor Orta's and then with Bielsa it was it felt like Orta 
creating a list and then be able to say no to most of them. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I think what you'll find, and this isn't a new thread of discussion, that uh, Marsh is far more, uh, far easier to deal with when it comes to suggesting players and, and him being amenable to them. Um, they did actually look at Rocker in January, although it wasn't mentioned to me at the time, but he was somebody who came up on Alter's list and, and that one didn't go anywhere um, in the same way that Van der Beek and, and Winks didn't either. Christensen obviously... Marsh knows extremely well and from what I'm told he basically said to the club you know Aronson aside if there was one player we could get from Salzburg Christensen would be the one and it looked it looked like Dortmund had already done done him you know it looked like they got him and it interests me that you can have a club like Dortmund go for Christensen but Christensen decides he wants to come here and I think more and more you start to realise that the pool of the Premier League is absolutely massive there's so much money in the division there's so much exposure for it it does feel you know with maybe one or two exceptions like the league where players want to want to be. And Christensen said that himself when we went to interview him last week, that you know he'd, he'd always wanted to play here. And it, it made it very easy to to take the move. Aronson clearly, you know, Marsh knows him really well as well. I don't think you could say the same of Rocker. I, I very much get the impression that Rocker is somebody that Otter has been following um, for a long time, but I very much doubt that he'd be coming here if Marsh hadn't said, yeah, I like him. Have we got any other links then that you can shed any light on at the minute, Phil? Or is it all just still sort of work in progress depending on what happens elsewhere? So those have been the three so far. They they really liked Eddie and Ketia and they would have made a strong play to do that one had he not decided that he was going to take up a contract at Arsenal. It's been strange with Nketiah down there. It's gone from periods where it seemed inevitable that he was going to leave to suddenly the situation where he looks like he's going to sign on again. So that one's kind of died a death and, and they've let it go. But he would have been out of contract. He, he's under 24, so there would have been money involved. But I think... He was the sort of player that they thought that could be done quite easily, that one, and, and he would he would make a difference to the squad. And that, if nothing else, suggests that we will see a striker coming in. You know, they clearly have, I mean, that, that needs to happen, I think. It, it seems, again, glaring um, the absence of enough support for Bamford. I'm not saying they don't have Gilhart, because clearly they do, and, and you'd like to see him play more. But I think if, if there is a lesson to take out of last season, it's that when you start to get short on players and when you start to eat into you know, the academy level to, to pad things out, you get into a lot of trouble very quickly uh, and they can't afford to do that again. So I would expect them to to do a centre forward. There's a little bit going on on the 23s level as well that after um, Sonny Perkins, who plays at West Ham, really talented player who's had a very good season for their under 23s. Um, and also George Hall, who's a midfielder at Birmingham, well thought of. It doesn't seem to me like in any way they're going to back off from um, academy recruitment or under 23 recruitment. I think that will carry on but I'd like to think this summer with you know heavier outlay at first team level too Do we have an under 23s manager? No I, Andrew Taylor finished the season as under 23s manager because Mark Jackson stepped up to um, uh, to first team level with Marsh there has been Taylor has gone back to his previous job which is loans manager at Leeds and there was there, there was some discussion about whether Jackson would stay at um, first team level or whether he might return back to the 23s job but I did see the 23s job advertised the other day, which would suggest to me that Jackson will stay in the, the first team camp and, and somebody else will come in. That will need to be sorted out this summer. The, they were looking at, as assistant manager at Chris Armas, who was number two to Ralph Rannick over at Manchester United. And that a few weeks ago, that looked like it was getting going, but it doesn't seem to have moved that one. So we'll need to see where that goes and I need to see if it is him ultimately who comes in as Marsh's new assistant or if it's somebody else, I think. It's fair to say that Armist had offers elsewhere as well. 
So there will be changes, and the, the I mean that's that's a pretty big appointment that for the twenty threes, given the level of quality and investment that's gone into that squad. But I would also think it would be a really sought after job. I think there'd be a lot of high level coaches who would want to take that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk Phillips then. The big story that's on everyone's lips this week. And we're off the back of a pretty, well, a stinker of a performance for England against Hungary. Stinker for everybody, wasn't it? It was It was like watching Scotland. That You know, it's like <laughs> Scotland-Morocco in the in the World Cup, it was a, a bizarre evening. I can't be bothered off offering an opinion on Southgate or any of that, but I do think it did seem to me looking at the team that there are players in there who would much rather have had a bit of a breather than be in for the, the Nations League. And Phillips, I mean, Phillips has had a pretty ceaseless run, right? You know, going right back to the start with, with Bielsa. He's been regular in the Leeds team. Um, it's very, very demanding role. He had the Euros with England last year. He's had injuries this season, and I know that takes you out of the team and it takes you out of the out of the games. But it doesn't do anything for your conditioning. It doesn't do anything for your for your fitness. And then he's straight into this as well. I can't help feeling that he is probably a player who would benefit from a a meaningful rest. But the Manchester City link is is very, very strong. And there hasn't, as we speak, and it's Wednesday afternoon, there hasn't been an offer from Manchester City. But there seems absolutely no doubt from what's been said in Manchester that one is coming. And I think it's very, very likely that if they bid and they bid at an acceptable level that this one will happen. Um, it's going to depend on a lot of things and it's going to depend on, first of all, what sort of valuation they're actually willing to talk about and whether they can meet the valuation that, that Leeds want. But whereas with you know moves like West Ham and Villa and so on, because both of those got in touch in January, um, Leeds turned down both approaches and there was absolutely no pressure put on the club by Phillips for them to engage with either of those at all. Whereas I don't think he'd have been, you know, desperate to take that sort of move. I do strongly suspect that if and when City come in, that will be a move that he wants to to push for. And it stands to reason, doesn't it? Because you're talking about Premier League champions, you're talking about the richest club in the country, you're talking about Guardiola. You're also talking about a transfer that doesn't have any of the politics or the poison of Manchester United, which was a transfer I just could never see happening for that reason. But City are different, very different. And it would be hard to say that there aren't an awful lot of upsides for a player like Phillips if they come in. How do you feel about Man City? Because I feel quite ambivalent about it. I don't really have any strong feelings about them. I just see them like as they're almost like a cheat code. It's just a vanilla football club to me now. It's not the same football club that we saw in League One 20 years ago or whenever it was. It's it's an easy one to swallow, I think, is the, the transfer because it just makes sense from a lot of different angles, doesn't it? And he'll, I think he'll pretty much universally go with, with the blessing of everyone. I don't think many people will expect him not to take it. Although I know there'll be a few who'll see it as disloyal, but he's ultimately going to get some guaranteed trophies, probably double his money, big signing on fee. It all kind of makes sense for him. I'd obviously like him to stay, but if he's going to leave, 
it probably is the time for, for both him and Leeds United, truthfully, because I don't feel like what we saw of him at the end of last season, I know, I know he was probably not fully fit, but it didn't feel like he necessarily had a place in our system. Whereas with Man City, you can see for him, he would look at it and go, well, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing in that. And Pep, I guess he's kind of a, I was going to say Bielsa light, but that's probably that's probably hugely unfair on Guardiola, who's one of the most successful coaches ever. But you know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's from... <laughs> Bielsa would probably strangle you for saying that. Yeah. But he, they're not dissimilar methods, is, I suppose, is what I would say. Cut from a similar cloth. Yeah, yeah. Bielsa said at the start of last season or early last season, this season gone, whichever we want to put it, uh, when the links came up to Manchester United, he said one day Phillips will go from Leeds, which tells you that he understands how things work. And in fairness, all of us really have been saying, haven't we? through the, the his evolution and through the, the, the good years under Bielsa, that there would almost certainly come a time where Phillips went on to, to bigger things because he was on that, that kind of trajectory. Rodri is about the only player who isn't doubled up at City. Fernandinho clearly is leaving at the end of his contract and that is the one gap that they have in the squad. And, and even though you were talking about cheat codes and there is a time when really, really elite football is a bit like watching sci-fi, but... If you're going to compete on four fronts like City do, you do need a lot of players and you do need a lot of high quality players because you do need to rotate and you will get into periods where it's games every two or three days and and it really puts the puts the pressure on, particularly when those games start coming, you know, the latter stage of the Champions League, every single fixture is against really high level opposition. From what we can tell, I think Guardiola would certainly play Phillips in a slightly more advanced position than the position he was used to at Leeds, which was a out and out four at Leeds that you, that sort of midfielder you don't see much of these days you know very deep line last line of defence which fitted in really well to the structure I mean it was all about wasn't it the, the the way in which players moved on the ball the way in which Leeds changed the shape when they were in possession and for so long it, it worked absolutely brilliantly you mentioned Guardiola there I mean Guardiola is very big on weight targets and you know intensity which again um, was a, a, a huge thing um, in Bielsa's remit and also he would be moving to a very high possession based team likewise you know as it was under Bielsa at Leeds so it strikes me when it comes to whether it's a good fit it, it seems to me that if it was to happen and if it was to go ahead that for Phillips it would be a very good move I think the regret with him leaving will be that we've not managed to grow to a level where we feel we can keep him because if if to build on the ninth place if we'd have managed to get another ninth place or maybe finish seventh or a bit like West Ham have done with Declan Rice I suppose show a little hint of there being some progression there that might have just kept him around for a bit longer but I think having almost been relegated Uh, and and that's off the back of opting to stand still for this last season Mm. which brings us back to the point we made about you know the board taking ownership of this the decision to do that almost at that point probably consigned us to losing Phillips and and at that point as well I guess the board realised that had we gone down they don't have a £60 million player, they maybe have a £40 million player and then the argument I guess occurs at, at that level of saying well, is it worth the risk of of losing him for less money? Well, I, I, as with Rafinha, I believe there was a release clause in Phillips' contract had they gone down, um, relegation release clause, which obviously is no longer relevant, same with Rafinha, which is why or it seems is why City suddenly got busy on this towards the end of the season because quite clearly there was a period where it looked like Leeds might well be toast, you know, and, and might well be dropping out of the division, in which case they'd have been extremely vulnerable to to lower bids. As it is with Rafinha and with um, with Phillips, they don't need to do anybody any favours on, on valuation at all. But a season like this definitely doesn't help. It doesn't help players to feel like they're, they're necessarily fulfilling their potential. I just wonder whether even had Leeds finished ninth again or, or whatever else, 
because it's City and because it's City who are, who look like they're about to bid and because they've just done Haaland and because they're in contention for every single trophy they go for and are playing at absolutely the peak level, would it have made any difference to Phillips mentally? I don't know. It's it's that sort of move, isn't it, where you've got to have a very, very good reason to turn it down. And perhaps he is one of the players who might, in certain circumstances, have said, I'm a Leeds boy, this is where I've grown up, this will be my club, you know, right from the start, and it's where I want to stay. But if City bid, I just cannot see him not saying, look, this is the right move for me at the right time. Because we know that he considered Villa as well when we didn't get promoted, yeah. don't we? But, um, you know, we're recording this on the, it's the fourth anniversary today on Wednesday of Marcelo Bielsa being appointed Leeds manager. And we saw so much sadness connected to his departure because a lot of what Bielsa brought was, it was a very pure approach to football, wasn't it? In that we all kind of fell in love with the game again and we ignored all, we pushed the, all the cynicism and all the corporate nonsense to the side. And yet here we are this summer in stark contrast to that being forced to look at things in really in a really practical way and it really jars doesn't it isn't it crap when you've got to kind of look at football practically and you can't just enjoy the romance aspect of it and think Phillips might stay because he you know he might be a one club man and we're all just going oh well if they come in you understand it and it'll be big money for Leeds and it's just it's, it's not what you, you fall in love with the game as a kid for is it it's kind of amazing that he was able to do that because sometimes you don't feel that football as it is now so commercial and, and corporate allows any scope for proper romance, you know, not lasting and, and nothing that isn't quite easily blown up by by the smallest thing. I mean, money money does talk as it as it's always bound to do, but there was a there was a, a definite purity to it that you just don't get in many places. And and I think I, I'm certainly starting to look at Leeds now as a far more conventional club, if that makes sense. It was a bit of a sort of it was a bit of a sort of fantasy club under Bielsa. It was that that football and, and that um, environment that it's not that money can't buy it because money clearly can buy it they paid Bielsa a lot of money and you know he came in as head coach and, and did what he did but I don't think I don't think you only need money to create that it just it was like this sweet it was, spot it was, it was an untouchable it, where, it was an untouchable thing it was lightning in a bottle intangible yeah. is the word isn't it it it's was like, like the, the secret sauce hit the sweet spot yeah. where everybody fell in love with it and I, you know, confidently expect that never to happen again, or not, in, not in the same, not in the same, not in the same way, or It'll the same, never be as good as same again. degree. The thing is, the football might be more successful, the results might be better, the club might go further, but will you have that same kind of, what's the word? So it's an emotion, association, that emotional connection. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. And as I say, it's it's very very unusual for somebody to be able to do that. I think. Unusual to be able to do that at a club where you don't have unlimited wealth and you can't, you know, you, you City can do great things because City can buy Haaland and they can buy Haaland and then say, right, let's get on and try and get Calvin Phillips. That's just how it is over there. So you, you're automatically on the road to, to great things um, in terms of performance. But when it comes to emotional connection, often you don't often get it in the way that Leeds have had it. I mean, I draw parallels with when we sold David Batty to, um, to Blackburn coming up for, what, 30 years ago now. And I remember, you know, as a kid back then, it absolutely destroyed me when that happened. It was like the worst thing in the world ever because it was Blackburn. And that's with no disrespect to Blackburn, but they had pots of money at that time as well. But they didn't they didn't feel like out of reach in the same way that Man City do now. It felt like it was a bit of an insult that he was going to a, a smaller club that's so close um, and yet they're just chucking money around. Whereas Man City, like it feels like they're, they're playing a different sport, aren't they? Because they've got so much money. Sometimes you like to think that everything will be perfect. I remember when I was really young following Hearts, John Robertson, their their striker, going down to Newcastle 
and me thinking, I, I can't believe he's left. I, I thought I didn't think he would leave. Why is he going? What's he doing? Um, you know, I thought he'd just be around here forever. Um, and then you then you sort of grow up and you become ridiculously cynical about the way the way it goes. And the thing about Phillips is that he's as close a connection to the city as the club have. You know, he is the academy product who's really, there've been others who've gone on to really big things, but he's the one in the past sort of 10, 20 years who has come through and not only come through, but done big things with the club and, and for the club. And it does unfortunately just go to show that nobody is untouchable. But do, we, I don't think many people would begrudge him this move deep down. I, I think people would be naturally concerned about how you replace him. They would be extremely disappointed to lose him and to lose his character and his personality and also his, his quality as a footballer. But if you're jumping to you know, the best team in England, some would say the best team in Europe or, or the world, it's um, it's quite a move. Two questions that follow from that then. First of all, what do you do with a mural? Do you just paint a Man City shirt over it or do you take it down? No, you keep it, don't you? Because he still did what he did. And yes, he, he goes elsewhere, but, you know, it's is it, I don't know, when Hernandez left Castellon, I know there's none of the same kind of emotional feeling about where he's going um, or none of the, potentially the, the negativity but you wouldn't have painted over his mural. You'd, would be, you, you'd, be, you'd be driving, around, driving yeah. around the loop road in Leeds, and if you get stuck on that thing, you'll go past it ten times. Being reminded that your club can't spend as much as Man City. Would you be reminded of that, or would you be reminded of the fact that he was part of one of the best eras they've ever had? Well, you tell you tell me. Open question. We'll leave that to the to the listener to decide. Do you, mean, yeah. do you want to paint over the Bielsa ones as well? Get Jesse's face up there. Your words, not mine. Um, <laughs> the other question is about replacing him, as you just said there, Phil. Do you think that Leeds United will go through this summer going for these sort of 10 to 15 million ballpark signings or will there be a, a marquee signing to replace Phillips if we if we do sell him? I don't know who they would go for. The message has always been with Rocker from Bayern Munich that, that, that he was signing irrespective of what goes on with Phillips and City. He was coming in anyway because the, the midfield was short. If Phillips goes, there absolutely has to be a replacement signed. There is, I suppose, a debate about what sort of midfielder you try and sign because, as Michael said um, a little earlier, the Bielsa style of Phillips, that lone midfielder in front of the back four, doesn't look like he's going to have a place in whatever system it is that Marset was on next season. You know, it was more regularly than not two defensive mids in that system as opposed to one quarterback in the whole thing. But you would have to go, I think, for a, a very high quality central midfielder to go in there. I think that that absolutely has to be done. But until it becomes clear who it is and, and what their sort of valuation would be, it's hard to say if it would be a marquee signing. But I think when a club sells somebody like that, and you've seen it at Leicester as well, with big money exits from there, you have to be seen to be making a concerted effort to, to bring somebody in and fill the boots. I look at the example that Villa did when they sold Grealish is they preemptively got three players in before they because they knew it would be a terrible announcement didn't yeah. they so politically they signed three big money players and said well that's where the money's gone we've looked at the qualities of Jack Grealish and that money has gone on Ings and whoever and whoever Wendy and and uh, it was the third can't remember but um, and Bailey as yeah. well yeah so they they allocated that money so it just feels like you know from a from how it looks like to use the phrase that's in the the TV program succession the optics of how this looks it needs to be positioned right doesn't it to to get buy in from the fans because if you just flog him and you replace him with a ten million pound player, people are going to go. Well, you're cheapskating it again. You have to. You have to basically move to a point where it seems as if, and, and the perception is that by cashing in on certain players, you've elevated the squad as a whole. 
And it's not actually impossible to come out of a, a scenario where you sell somebody who ideally you'd rather have kept and who you, you sad to, to lose and to wind up in a better position. But that depends entirely on the quality of your recruitment and, and your judgment in getting players who fit well, who adapt well, who settle quickly. The one thing that has to be said about Phillips and Rafinha is that both have certainly since you know, in the period when Bielsa was manager um, and, and you know Rafinha really right the way through have always had the mentality to play for Leeds to cope with the pressure of being at Leeds the, the game and the quality to consistently perform and somebody said to me oh, Philip, you know, in reality Phillips wasn't great after he came back um, this season but Phillips was injured for a huge part of it he's hardly had a break Leeds were not great this season they weren't great before Marsh came in. They weren't particularly great after Marsh came in. It was just a bad year all round. If you judge Phillips in the bigger picture, he's been absolutely outstanding. I mean, he was just one of the biggest success stories under Bielsa. So you can you can benefit from these scenarios. You can make them work for you, but you have to make them work for you. And I'm not sure, really, looking at what Villa did, that they'll feel, given their league position and how it went for them this season, I don't think they'll really have felt that the Grealish money made a huge difference to, to how they finished. There is a school of thought, of course, around the Phillips deal, potentially, that now is the time to cash in as well, given his age. He's at, he's at basically premium value now, two years left, and maybe he has peaked because some people are saying that, or is that just people kind of reverse engineering it to justify him being sold? It's, it's, you can be guilty of that quite easily of because, you know, this looks like it's brewing now, saying, well, you know, actually, is he is he that good? I mean, this is someone who was... He got to the final of the Euros last year and, and as as I said, was consistently outstanding under Bielsa. He clearly has a massive amount of talent and City would just not be going for him, for him if they didn't see that in him. Yeah, he's got two years to go. He's ne- If he doesn't sign a new contract at Leeds, he's never going to be worth more money than he is now. I think you have to factor in the likelihood that because it's City, Phillips will want to go, will want to take that up. And you then it's, it's not as simple ever for a club just to say, we're not selling a player because you have to take into account their view of it, you know, what it's likely to do if you if you obstruct them from from going through with it. Clearly there's a, a ballpark figure that City are gonna have to pay and, and there's no reason for Leeds to let themselves get lowballed. And I think Phillips himself would totally understand that as well, that he's he's got a valuation that has to be met. But yeah, it's it seems to me that it might well be one of those periods where the time feels right for him. How much do you reckon? 60 is that a good a good starting point well City seem to think that 45 to 50 might do it that's um, nice for them yes that will that will be down to Leeds really be down to Leeds what they're willing to take what they're willing to accept if you only have one club in the running then it becomes more difficult to drive the price up by playing teams off against each other and there's very little point in comparing it to the Grealish deal because the Grealish deal was all about the buyout clause, which is why he costs so much money. Um, they simply had to meet that fee in order to to get him. There is no buyout clause with Phillips, so it's a case of who bids who bids what. And Leeds are in that position where, you know, I, I don't think they can afford to to get down to get to a situation where he's down to twelve months left on his contract, um, because he would be worth considerably less. How would you replace him then if you were to replace him? I quite fancy a midfield bastard, to be honest. If we've got um, Rocker alongside him, who's he looks quite tidy, you know, holds possession well, distribution's good. Somebody who's a bit more athletic, more of a destroyer alongside him. Yeah, I suspect Rocker's not too much of an animal um, in that sense. So, yes, yeah, so somebody hardened, somebody proven, um, somebody who you know is going to be up to in the Premier League. I think somebody alongside, somebody like that alongside Rocker would help to bring Rocker out of himself, I think, and, and help him to, to settle as well. And, and as I say, if, if, if when you start 
analysing Roque and, and the way he played for Espanyol, you can see that there is a really quality player there. It's just going to be, that that is all going to come down to how well he adapts and, and how well he settles in. But as I say, you know, the message was always that it would be Roque and then another if Phillips went because, you know, the midfield was, was lacking bodies already. Um, and it will need to be it will need to be a very intelligent signing and a very good one if if they are in the market to replace Phillips. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What about Rafinha then, Phil? Because there's a lot of uh, fluttering of eyelashes going on towards Barcelona, who, uh, I'm just checking my notes here, it appears a skint for now. Skint would be a good word. Yeah, it's strange because we went into this window, I think most of us, and potentially a club as well, thinking that if anybody was likely to go, it was likely to be Rafinha. You know, that would probably be his last hurrah down at, at Brentford. Phillips, not so sure. You know, see, see how that goes. And and I did wonder if if there was no offer for Phillips or, or no kind of destined, obvious destination or acceptable destination, whether he might consider signing a new contract, giving them another year, earning more in the meantime, and then, you know, looking for, for that move next summer. But as it stands at the moment, it feels like there's a higher chance of Phillips going certainly sooner um, than Rafinha. The odd thing about Barcelona is that Rafinha to Barcelona, there's been so much noise around it for such a long time now, to the extent where it's almost been portrayed as one of those which was inevitably going to happen because historically when Barcelona have got involved like this or, or have been linked like this, they just find a way of making it happen. But unfortunately for them at the moment, they have huge debts. They're under um very tight wage cap imposed by La Liga and they have next to no money. If they can raise money and if they can find ways to create room on the, the wage bill and to give themselves a fee to spend, then yes, they could have a go at, at Rafinha. And the feeling seems to be that the best route of doing that would be by selling Frankie de Jong, probably to, to Manchester United. But even if they sell de Jong, because they don't have free reign to just do what they want to their squad, and because everything is being done within restrictions, there would then be the question of, is Rafinha the player they most need? You know, and if this season coming up, is it him that they absolutely have to go for? Because they can't just sign everybody. You know, they can't just sign I mean, they, they might decide that um, Rodrigo... Perhaps he's been on their list, hasn't he? In the he, last he, he actually has been. I mean, you said that like you were joking, but he, you know, he, no, no, he actually, yeah, no, he, he, he actually, <laughs> he actually has been. Um, I, I had one foot in either camp then, yeah. I mean, part joking, part not. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he, they have looked at him. Um, it was the the uh, window, August window, at the beginning of this season. Right at the end, they sort of had a look at a loan deal that Leeds weren't interested in because they they wanted to push Rodrigo through another season. He's an interesting case. I mean, I, I can't tell. You could, you could imagine a loan back to Spain now, couldn't you-ish? Maybe they say, because then they don't have to commit to a fee yet, but then we, maybe we get a fee further down the line, something like that. You could, um, but I don't get the sense that Leeds have 
in any way decided that, yeah, it's time to move him on. Um, it, I think everybody can see that it hasn't really worked and he hasn't, it hasn't fitted in perfectly and it hasn't always been clear where he's supposed to, to fit. But that's one of those where you sort of constantly got your eye on it thinking, I wonder what's, what's going to happen here. But Rafinha is the one that Barcelona really, really want. It's just that he will be extremely expensive. Um, well, I want a Ferrari, Phil, but life's a bitch. Well, that's it, you see. But, you, but in no, normal times, or more often than not, if Barcelona want a Ferrari, they just go out and buy a Ferrari. And somehow the money appears and they do it. And, you know, if there's any issues with it or whatever else, that hides in the background or it, it's safe for a, a rainy day when they have to have to face the music like they are at the moment. Arsenal and Tottenham both very keen on Rafinha. We reported that this week. Um, it was Adam Crafton at The Athletic who ran that story. I have no idea what Rafinha would make of either of those moves. Spurs are in the Champions League this season coming up, but are not. I think next season, if Manchester United improved, then there probably would be some doubt over you know whether Spurs would be top four again. Arsenal fell short of the top four, and I think had last season been a stellar season below Liverpool and Manchester City, and neither of them would have got into the Champions League, I don't think. I think in a season where Chelsea and Manchester United were both that the kind of strength that they tend to be at, it would have been it would be a tough, tough call um, for either of those London clubs. So would Rafinha want to go there? Is it the right move for him? He'd get paid more, definitely. Well, you, um, you saw him in the uh, in the away end at Brentford, soaking up the atmosphere with the fans. Surely Arsenal's a natural fit after that. Very much so. Yeah, with his, I was going to say with his library ticket, but that's a that's a that's a pathetic dig, isn't <laughs> you, it? You've said it now, um, <laughs> but it, but then again, you know. Well, I don't know if you've been to Tottenham, but from walking into Tottenham, it's incredibly impressive that stadium, and they've got Conte, and they've they've. You've seen the story earlier in the summer that they've got money. They've managed to to accrue some extra funding, some extra extra cash to help them through this summer. And they do look like they're trying to push it. You know, they do look like they're trying to improve and, and to compete a little bit more. Uh, but it does feel very much like Barcelona is the move that Rafinha wants. And he does always have the option of waiting until the other side of the World Cup, going to the World Cup, doing well with Brazil, ideally for him. And then come January, his stock's higher again but I suppose there would still be the question of if he wants it to be Barcelona uh, Barcelona, in any more of a position to do big money transfers then than they are now it, What about his contract? There was talk of him signing one earlier in the season that then disappeared is that is that not happening? I mean there's there's always an option potentially is there of, of him signing a new deal as you said earning more in the meantime getting a release, release clause put in there so then everyone knows where they stand That's what would happen with it but it, it went from situation in January where everybody was talking pretty confidently about him signing up again to it going colder and colder and colder and towards the end of the season the talks on that just drying up completely probably because in his mind's eye or in, in the mind's eye of, of Deco his agent a move to Barcelona this summer would have made sense for him but if that isn't an option and if he can't do it then there is always the alternative for him to sign a new deal, earn more money in the meantime. And there would be a release clause in it. So there would be no obstacle to another club coming in and saying, we're going to pay this, we want him. And, you know, the, the transfer goes ahead. But I think that's I think that's all quite hypothetical at the moment because the window is still at an early stage and, and who knows what's going to develop over the next couple of months. Other outgoings, we've got Kiko Casilla and Costa coming back as well. What, what do we see happening with those two? I haven't actually asked about those two, but it would be a surprise to see either of them heavily involved. I don't know if they if they got relegated. Your Costa did okay with Bielsa in the Championship. You know, he he was quite heavily used in in that promotion season without being outstanding or, or one of the you know one of the top players in it. But um, in the circumstances, I I can't see it. 
there is a discussion going on at Leeds at the moment about what to do with the goalkeepers. Millie will be first choice again, but they are thinking about signing somebody more experienced to be back up for him. They've got Christopher Classen, who I think they, they really like and who played really well in that game down at, Spil- uh, down at Wolves. But there is just a, I think just a slight concern that if Melier was to get injured long term, they might need somebody a bit more proven there. And again, what happened at Wolves was a shot across the bows in that respect, wasn't it? It's like, because everyone went, oh God. But actually he came in and did all right. So he did. He did, he did better than all right. He but, had, that little spell, he, he was great. Uh, but that's one isolated period in, in a game. And you have to be fair to him and say that we haven't seen him in a long run of games for the first team. He, he was very, very hot and cold for the under-23s. But when he got his chance in that Wolves game, he was extremely impressive for the, the period that he was on the pitch. That really was the night where it looked like everybody was going to get it, didn't it? Once Melier was going off injured, you thought, right, it's pretty much a full house here. And then obviously Dallas um, a little bit further down the line. But yeah, they, they could. it could be a sensible move. Just to, I think you've got to stick with Melier as first choice. Having had him as first choice for two full seasons now and with him at the age he's at, with the reputation he's got, you definitely have to keep backing him. Um, but it might just make sense to have somebody with a little bit more proven um, proven background behind him. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to see Casilla in a lead shirt ever again. I think there are plenty of people who would say the same. Um, I do speak to Leeds fans who see it differently and wouldn't take that view. But it seems like going over all ground that, that didn't particularly work as it needed to. Well, um, I just started running a fantasy scenario then. Well, not a fantasy scenario, more of a nightmare scenario where we've gone down and because Helder Costa has done it at that level before, we're back exactly where we started. Just we don't have Bielsa as manager and we're cheering on Helder Costa again. It just feels like such a, it'd feel like such a retrograde step, wouldn't it? Same with Casilla, really. Well, that's part of the reason why the, the Brentford result was so important because it meant that what Bielsa had done and what he'd started hadn't just reverted back to where it all began and, and left you feeling like you were back on the starting line despite everything that had gone on for four years. And, and to be quite honest, I think Helder Costa would have been the least of it, really. I think there'd have been yeah. far more, you know, far more to, to think about and to, to argue about and, and worry about. Casilla, by all accounts, has not had a great season at um, Elche in Spain, so I don't think in any way that would encourage people to to get him back involved. They, they've always actually, at Leeds, they've always had a pretty high opinion of, of Casilla, but I just think that one, you know, that boat has completely sailed for several reasons, really. Um, and and I, I would expect that if they were going to get a, a more experienced second choice, it would be somebody coming in. You can imagine someone like maybe Costa going to a promoted club or something like that, can't you? Someone like Forrest or someone in that ballpark? Maybe on loan? Yeah, I, I think, again, I think they're going to have to find somewhere for him. I wonder if it will be an option abroad again, mainly because it's been a while since he's had a really cracking season from start to finish. It wasn't great for him at Valencia either. And although there was there was a kind of agreement there about you know the view to a permanent deal when he went on loan, it hasn't happened and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So they won't, they'll need to find someone else for him. But you know, there is kind of this thing always in the summer of clean slates. And, you know, everybody gets a gets a fresh chance. But I'd be really surprised if he came back into the reckoning. And Costa does have a good agent, so he's likely, say, to, he's likely to get a move off that. Uh, so, something tells me that Mendes, Mendes, will, Mendes will sort him out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'd be a problem there. Which you, you imagine he might end up back in Portugal, maybe because it's an, it's an easy yeah. fit. Or, yeah. or, or another Spanish club, or yeah. Turkey, or somewhere like that. There will be there will be clubs out there who would take Costa definitely. Um, speaking of um, climates abroad, Australia tour, the one we mentioned on our weekly show. Um, this week was in particular it's the Aston Villa one that jumps out 5.35 on a Sunday morning um, will, you, will you be up for it? you'll still be up won't you? oh you'll just wake up and then go back to bed straight away afterwards <laughs> knowing how you sleep Phil unbelievable 
It's very early, right? Especially with your snoring. I'll tell you what, I just, <laughs> I just blitzed through it, no problem. Um, it is a, it is an early kickoff. Yeah, it's, it's quite. What became apparent as it looked to all the world like Leeds might be about to go down was that the last game against Crystal Palace was going to fall a week before the start of the Championship season, and you just couldn't see how it was really in anybody's interest to be in Australia that weekend. And then, you know, kicking off away at Luton the following weekend, as it, as it is. Yeah. I, I, I said to um, I said to Graham Smith from the Evening Post as we came out of Brentford, when those first midweek championship games kick off in, in August, we're all going to be saying a little prayer of yeah. thanks, you know, that we're, we're not off to Swansea. Uh, <laughs> but it, it would have been, it, logistically, that would have been, I think, potentially a problem. I mean, they, they might just have ridden it and, and made it work anyway. But it is certainly preferable to have two weeks between the Palace game and the start of the season than it is to have one. Yeah, because it's a two-day journey to all intents and purposes, isn't it, with time differences and the flights and the layovers and stuff. So. And it's, you know, it's not, that is in no way ideal conditions for footballers who, you know, need to rest and need to recover and, and Mind you, else. Luton does have its own airport, so we could have just flown straight in. Absolutely, you yeah. stayed in Australia for another week and then just flown <laughs> straight in, yeah. You not fancy going to that one then, Phil? Down under? I don't know whether we'll be there or not. We'll. Um, oh, is it an option? We'll see. Um, you're holding we'll out for the business class see flights. What happens? <laughs> yeah, or first class. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see what um, what goes on. But pre-season is going to be particularly interesting this year. Friendlies were never an event under Bielsa, particularly. Uh, and what he had was this amazing knack of friendlies being fine. You know, sometimes a bit low key and, and everything else. And in those first three years of just clicking his fingers and everything just firing as soon as the, the competitive football got going. Not this season, just gone, clearly. But there will be, I think, far more interest now in how the team... I mean, you knew with Bielsa how the team was going to line up. You knew roughly what he was going to do with players. Clearly, they had new signings and so on, so you wanted to see them. But the structure and everything remained the same and so did the philosophy. I think with these games, there'll be a lot to analyse when it comes to the system, particularly the formation that Marsh is going for, and also the way in which new signings seem to be settling in because we've got three already, all of whom you could see being starting players next season. Um, and and as more come, as I expect more, more will come. It, they will, you know, the, the team is evolving. Do you think the recruitment is to a certain extent and the speed of it being dictated by the fact that this is on the horizon in a few weeks? They'd like to get people in before they go off on tour. I think so. But also, I guess a, a fairly clear view of who it was that they wanted. So with Aronson, he was about to go off to international duty with the States and it was a case of we've got this, you know, we've got this pre-agreed with Salzburg, let's just get it done. Christensen, I think, same again, was there to be completed, there to be sealed, so they, they just have. And likewise with Rocket, I, I think there is just this feeling that why wait until the middle of July with Rocket if you want him and you can do it now, you know, just get get him in, get it done. I think he'll probably have his medical Friday all being well. Um, which may be today if, if you're listening, but that one sounded like it would be done before the end of the week. And it is always preferable. I think it's always completely unrealistic to expect clubs to do, you know, a, a X amount of business before pre-season starts. Sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't fall like that. But I don't think you want to get caught out by being, you know, by being short on the recruitment front. And given that Leeds knew fine well last season that they didn't have the number of bodies that, that they needed, it was important to to get busy and to be active, you know, straight away. And despite our two-week break, we can see the the new season is just there creeping over the horizon, isn't it? Because we've got, um, obviously, the tour there, which is in a month's time, but fixtures have been announced on Thursday morning, which will be, so before this comes out, I imagine, nine o'clock Thursday, and we find out who we've got and when. Probably going to play everyone twice, I think. Gonna... Probably play everyone twice. Um, 
Whenever whenever they drop, everybody looks through them and goes, "Oh, that's going to be tough. This be that looks decent run. This, that, and the other." And it's it's a totally pointless discussion because once you get into the season, the the tough periods are the periods where you don't do well, and the good periods are the periods where you do, and you never quite know how it's how it's going to fall. But yes, I think you might be right. I think you might play home and away. Everybody, although everybody did identify the run in April, right when these fixtures came out for last season, I went. There was a, there was a, a sucking of air through teeth with that one, like. Same in the previous season though, wasn't there? Because it was actually even worse to an extent. There was Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. Yeah, but we were good then, Phil. Yes, but I still think before that season, people would have looked at that run of Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, City and gone, that could be quite tough. And then it wasn't. They'd end the lesson. If historical precedent has anything to go by, I think we'll get Forest. It's either going to be in like the first week of the season, first couple of weeks, or it'll be Christmas or New Year. We always seem to play Forest. Always Christmas. Always Christmas and New Year, although that was very much a uh, EFL thing. But yeah, I think it'll be a big side away from home. I mean, it's, it's pointless saying that, really, because everybody will know by now. <laughs> 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 it's, it's great. We can understand as daft or knowledgeable, one of, one of the two. Probably daft because it's a one in 20. Well, it's a one in 19 shot, isn't it? Sorry. Will, will Sky get the game they want? Mm, I, I imagine they might. <laughs> Do you think? Yes. <laughs> Possibly. Um, it will be interesting to see, and obviously you will know listening to this, whether we were at home the first time. We've been away for years now for the first fixture, haven't we? I think. When was the last time fixture Stoke, maybe, when Bielsa came in? That would probably be right. Then yeah. it was Bristol City for the second season. Then we came up and it was Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Last season it was... Man United. Yeah. Man United, so it's about damn time. Yeah, yeah. Um, they went through a massive stretch as well, didn't they? Leeds of. A huge stretch of being unbeaten on the first mm. day of the season. I'm sure it was. It went from Newcastle back in 1990, I think, 89, 89, 89 yeah. 90, um, through to, I think, that Derby game under uh, Grayson when they went up to the Championship. Um, but as you say, you play everybody at home, you play everybody away. So in the grand scheme, what does yeah. it matter? Yeah, and you'll get some points. You will. In some games and in others, you won't. You won't. I, yes. just, I hope we get enough and we can go about being an ordinary Premier League club again this season. Well, to go back to previous strand of this discussion, Manager, I always feel that managers in the EFL are uh, kind of exist in more jeopardy because if you're expected to be relatively close to promotion or to be in with a shout, you've got to you've got to be close to it, haven't you? You've got to be there, and it's very easy to get detached and suddenly be meandering and for a club to think, well, this isn't working. There are a lot of clubs in the Premier League who just want to just want to stick around there, but to stick around in a way that doesn't involve going to Brentford on the last day and you know kind of chucking everything on black. So it's not as if Leeds have to be vastly better this season. They have to improve without a doubt. It would be nice if they were vastly better. It'd be nice if, if there were more good results and, and more good performances. But I think it should not be beyond them to construct a squad and to come up with a plan that means that they are not in that level of peril. Right, let's chuck you under the bus then, Phil. Obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about the fixtures this time next week when we come to sit down and do this again. What else will we be talking about? Will Rocker be done? And who else is on the agenda then? Rocker will be done. I think should be done by the end of this week and if not early next week. Um, it really The only thing that's been holding that up is just a, um, just discussion over the structure of the finance. But I think Leeds and Bayern have pretty much agreed on what the money's going to be and everything else. It's just the, the, the fine details. And obviously we will have to keep eyes on what goes on with City and Phillips because I can't help feeling that that is going to bubble up soon. With that in mind, we will sign off for this week. We'll be back same time next week. Theathletic.com forward slash leads pod. If you're not yet signed up to The Athletic, go find that. And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. See you in a bit. The Phil Hay Show.